Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Sylvia F., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from California. Today is Tuesday, April 25th, 2017. Today, we are reading from the big book, and we are at page 30. We're on the fourth paragraph. We're going to start with, we are like men who lost their legs. And we're going to read through three paragraphs, ending with, we could increase the list ad infinitum. We're going, our remarks are going to be on the first two paragraphs of page 31. Today's readers are, we have Beatrice, Sherry KB, Karen T, and John K, and our newcomer greeter is Janice M. The reference number for uh, Monday, April 24th, for yesterday's uh, 10 a.m. meeting Eastern Time is 9869. 9869. And this morning's meeting, uh, East Coast, uh, 7 a.m., April 25th, the share code is 9872-9872. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Beatrice to read the 12 steps. Beatrice. Good morning, this is Beatrice, compulsive overeater from California. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible except when to do so would injure them or others. 10. Continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12. Having had a spiritual awakening, as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you. Thank and I pass. Thank you, Beatrice. I will now ask Sherry KB to read the 12 traditions. Sherry? Good morning, Sylvia. Good morning, everybody. This is Sherry KB in Northern California, Grateful Recovery Compulsive Reader. Uh, thank you for your service. Um, The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for a group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority. A loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience, our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. 
six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinions on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions of reminding us to place principles before personalities. And I pass. Thank you, Sherry KB. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinent requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass and then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book on page 30 on the fourth paragraph. We are like men who lost their legs. We're gonna read through three paragraphs ending. We could increase the list ad infinitum. On, um, we're going to read the, the, on page 30, the fourth paragraph, we're going to read for context only, and the comments are going to be focused on page 31, the first and second paragraphs. And I will ask uh, Karen T. to start our sharing. Karen? Hi, Sylvia. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Thank you. Great. Hi, this is Karen T., Recovered Compulsive Reader in Louisiana. We are like men who have lost their legs. They never grow new ones. Neither does there appear to be any kind of treatment which will make alcoholics of our kind like other men. We have tried every imaginable remedy. In some instances, there has been brief recovery, followed always by still a worse relapse. Physicians who are familiar with alcoholism agree that there is no such thing as making a normal drinker out of an alcoholic. Science may one day accomplish this, but it hasn't done so yet. Despite all we can say, many who are real alcoholics are not going to believe they are in that class. By every form of self-deception and experimentation, they will try to prove themselves exceptions to the rule, therefore non-alcoholic. If anyone who shows if anyone who is showing inability to control his drinking can do a right about face and drink like a gentleman, our hats are off to him. Heaven knows we have tried hard enough and long enough to drink like other people. Here are some of the methods we have tried. Drinking beer only, limiting the number of drinks, never drinking alone, never drinking in the morning, drinking only at home, never having it in the house, never drinking during business hours, drinking only at parties, switching from scotch to brandy, drinking only natural wines, Agreeing to resign if ever drunk on the job. Taking a trip? Not taking a trip. Swearing off forever, with and without a solemn oath. Taking more physical exercise. Reading inspirational books. Going to health farms and sanitariums. Accepting voluntary commitment to asylum. We could increase the list ad infinitum. So we're commenting on the second two paragraphs. And um, what happened to me was that I uh, got abstinent when I first came into OA, but I've had four huge relapses. And in fact, my highest weight and worst binging, I had been in OA for eight years. 
And I went back and tried to piece together what happened before each of the four relapses. It was sort of an inventory of them. And I came up with two words that seemed to be my problems before relapse. And they were the words smug and complacent. And so smug is really encapsulated for me in this word self-deception. By every form of self-deception and experimentation, they will try to prove themselves exceptions to the rule. What would happen is that I would work the steps and work the program and um, staying away from my binge foods would be easy. And then the self-deception would sneak in. Look at how well I'm doing. I get smug. This is easy for me. And then that that would degenerate into maybe I don't really have a problem with my trigger foods. Maybe I made a big deal out of this. Maybe I not really need to be in a way. And then um, that would change into a strange mental blank spot. Or then all of a sudden I would be eating those foods. And in one of my relapses, I have absolutely, two of them actually, I have absolutely no memory of starting to eat my benches. It just came in sort of slowly and gradually in a vague sort of way. And I have absolutely no memory of starting to eat my binge foods. I just remember coming to and binging. And I couldn't remember when I put those foods back into my food plan. So um, that's self-deception. I am a compulsive overeater. I have certain foods that are my alcoholic foods. And I cannot afford that self-deception. And so, I need God. Those are strange mental blank spots. So, I need to have a higher power in my life. And I need to turn my will and my life over to the care of that higher power. And I must carry the vision of God's will into all of my activities every day in order to stay away from the compulsive eating. I love the list in the second paragraph. And um, I was trying... I heard some great OA lists of this, and maybe someone has some. There are some truly great lists that um, out there to rewrite this paragraph. But anyway, my main one was um, I would read inspirational books, and then I also had this idea that if I would look at pictures of overweight people, that would motivate me to stay on my diet. Um, So I had... uh, pictures of overweight people that I look at. And you know what? It didn't really help. It just made me beat up myself and feel worse. So um, with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay, now I'm going to open it up for um, anyone who wants to share. I'll take a list. John K. John K. Lisa C. Carlisa C. Kathleen O. Kathleen O. Deanna B. Deanna B. Sue G. I got Sue G. And I have something H. Terry. Terry Terry or Terry? Terry Terry with a T. Yes. Okay. So we've got John K, Carlissa C, Kathleen O, Deanna B, Sue G, and Terry H. And let's stop, start with you, John K, followed by Carlissa. Uh, good morning. This is John Karen, recovered compulsive reader in Los Angeles. Thank everybody for doing service this morning. Oh, that phrase self-deception, boy, that was me in you know in spades. And you know the funny thing is, it's hard to see in yourself. Uh, especially when you're in the middle of it. Uh, I used to tell this story to my friends when I was younger. Uh, my mother, when she was, uh, when I was a kid, my mother was a really bad alcoholic at the time, and she would come home after, or she after a binge, she'd be like, "Okay, this now I get it. I can't drink wine. I got to stop drinking wine." And then she'd have another binge, and then she'd go, "Okay, I have to stay away from hard liquor. I just have to drink wine." And it would go on and on, and we, I laughed about it in retrospect. But I did this 
eating kind of thing with the food. I mean, I especially did it before I gained the program. I was on every one of those crazy diets and was like, okay, here's the answer to all my problems. And of course, they never stuck because they were crazy diets and they probably wouldn't stick for anybody, whether you're a compulsive eater or not. But, um, but the real self-deception for me came during my long relapse cycle because I was in a relapse cycle for a number of years. And this is as much as 14 years in the program. And, and all that self-deception, my program, I mean, my disease would whisper all kinds of things in my ear, sometimes perfectly good program slogans. You know, oh, I'm, gonna, I'm just praying for the willingness now. Oh, I'll work on the spiritual part. Oh, I'll work on the steps. Anything they could do because it, my disease, I said my disease woke up every morning during my relapse with one job to do, and that was to get me to kick the can down the road another day on actually putting the food down, you know. And, you know, thank God for program today. I, you know, I'm in that position of neutrality that they talk about in those 10-step promises. And um, and it isn't a problem anymore the way it was earlier on. But, um, you know, <clears throat> and the, the funny thing is I, I, I tell this sometimes that, you know, I was also I'm a recovering alcoholic and sober 35 years. Um, that I, I, I'm not minimizing it, but I always say I really feel I was a compulsive eater that went through an alcoholic phase because I was a compulsive eater since as early as I can remember until now, and I only drank for about seven years. Um, and one of the things I say is a bit of a catch-22. Part of me says every once in a while, gee, I wonder if I really am an alcoholic. And I go, well, it doesn't matter. I'm not going to drink anymore anyway. And, and that sort of makes me wonder sometimes. But you know how many times I tried to justify Say, maybe I'm not a compulsive leader with the agenda of being able to go eat something that I, I wanted. And the important thing about this self-deception I, re- I needed to realize was this is the disease. My disease attacks me, and then it uses like antibodies, you know, of self-deception to, to make it so I don't see it. Like somebody said, that strange mental blind spot. And uh, that's what I need to remember. That's the disease. And if I can see that and realize that I come better. One last thing I'll just mention real quick. Uh, uh, down in Orange County, California, south of me, there's a group called the Pizza Box Group, which I love. It's a group of really, it's a really strong meeting with a, guy, a lot of NA and AA guys over there. And they took the, the more about alcoholism and they go to a lot of meetings where they read that. It always ends with science that, you know, hasn't done so yet, but they made up a list as well. You know, oh, we ate sugar. We didn't eat sugar. We did this and we did that. And God, it just, it reminded me of me. And thank God today, you know, if I work these steps, I get what they promised me at 84 and 85, being put in a position of neutrality. And with that, I pass. Thank you, John Kay. Carlissa C., followed by Kathleen O. Carlissa? Good morning. Thank you for your service. Carlissa C., recovered in Washington, D.C. Um, I love this chapter, which for me is all about um, our mental obsession, which leads to leads to physical actions and consequences so that I too could make a very long list of what I tried to relieve myself of the weight burden, including bulimia and uh, of exercise type and actually inducing vomiting. Uh, however, if I am honest, I, also, I wanted to be relieved of certain physical consequences of compulsively overeating flour, sugar, and drinking alcohol. But I did not, at that time, want to give up the comfort, the brief, momentary, then second by second, then no comfort that I was receiving from eating compulsively. Uh, What I had to really... um, get down in my spirit was that all my actions were always about soothing feeling. All of them were about soothing feeling. And uh, so no wonder diets didn't work because the problem had been misdiagnosed. I thought the problem was my eating. Uh, The problem, that wasn't the problem. That was one of the solutions that I tried to to uh, get at what I was feeling so profoundly, which was a whole lot of stuff that doesn't that comes out later, thank God, through the steps. 
but was not apparent. And I was in denial about this. I was so deep into my problem, it was invisible to me. I did not know I had a problem. And uh, I thought that if I could just control my eating, that's what that's what my problem was. Uh, if I could just eat like a lady. Um, this chapter means a lot to me because it starts with a person who has lost their legs, and then it gets real physical. Poor Fred and the man of twenty, the man of twenty-five who who dies, the Fred who takes the drink, and just the Jay Walker, and this image also always springs out to me. The person having a headache takes a hammer to their head to smash it out. The physical consequences of my disease have uh, have real effect on me to really think about it. If I'm humble enough to understand that I am a person who has lost her legs, then I know that I have to put on a prosthetic every morning. And that prosthetic for me is coming closer to God from whom I hid for many years, God of my understanding, which thank God today is not food, and to take these steps. Thank you for being here, and I pass. Thank you, Carlisa. Kathleen O., followed by Deanna B. Thank you. Thank you, Sylvia. Good morning. This is Kathleen O., recovered in Northern California. I can so relate to all this this that we're reading. Um, If anyone who is showing an ability to control his drinking can do the right about face and drink like a gentleman, our hats are off to him. And, you know, I, I would try to emulate eating like a lady. I would watch my my normal friends and, you know, they would take a couple bites and put their fork down and they wouldn't finish. And and that just didn't work for me. I mean, I would would do it, but it was, I was miserable. It's like I just wanted to eat. And there was a time where I I realized that sugar was a problem. And so I didn't eat sugar for about a year. And um, I was at a, a party and dessert came, and everyone, all the normal eaters were eating the dessert, and I thought to myself, you know, I can be normal. I can be like them and just eat one piece of this. But, of course, I'm not normal. And so, of course, that triggered the allergy, and I was off and running again. And, you know, I realized if if I didn't put the food down 100% and walk through the steps and have a spiritual experience enough to change my personality, that... Nothing else was going to work. I had to concede that I was never, ever, ever going to be normal as far as eating. And, you know, in 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 trying to control it, I realized that, the, you know, it was actually controlling me. And and so to concede that and go through these steps is, is truly a miracle. Um, you know, the lie is that the food's going to save us. And... Um, it doesn't. It just doesn't. Once the allergy is triggered, the obsession is started all over again, and that was my experience. So this is a progressive disease, and thankfully, we also can have progressive recovery. And Kathleen and I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Kathleen O. Deanna B., followed by Suji. Deanna? Star one, Thank Deanna. you. Yes, thank you so much for your service. My name is Deanna B, and I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive reader from Chicago. Um, And, wow, you know, this paragraph, uh, these two paragraphs say it all, you know, uh, that there was nothing that I could do to prove to myself. I tried. I tried everything. That long list that we're talking about, you know, I'm depressed, I have to eat, I'm happy, I have to eat. But, you know, I never thought about it, that I'm depressed, so then I'll go get my comfort food. I did know, like a cigarette, when I took the food, it relaxed me. But I never thought that it was for all these reasons until I came into program. And I had to be desperate enough when I came in so desperate that I had no place else to go. So I came back to OA after trying so many other things and thinking that I could control those salty, crunchy things and buy individual bags. 
because I would see my neighbor have this basket with all this, you know, on the counter. I said, oh, I can do that. You know, I've been on a quote-unquote diet or food plan or whatever. I don't believe I was ever abstinent. I believe I've been on diets. Uh, I believe I've been trying to control. I believe even when having a sponsor, my, my main goal was to lose weight. And, you know, God does for me what I can't do for myself. When I came back to OA, uh, I was desperate, and I picked a food plan from Dignity of Choice. I got a sponsor, was working in the workbook, that never heard of uh, a vision for you until three months later. But I did get abstinent when I walked into the doors of OA again. I My first very first time was in 1976. My absent date is February 2014, and it's not me, it's God, and it is a miracle. You know, God has done for me what I can't do for myself. It's very evident and obvious to me. Uh, I heard Joe and Charlie, I can't say, paraphrase it even, but that, you know, he uh, wants to do God's will and so do I, but, you know, he's gotten things that he never imagined. Beyond his wildest dreams, I have the opportunity to go to Albuquerque to the World Business Conference as a delegate. I'm abstinent. I was asked, you know, how they want to volunteer you and vote you to go in. (laughs) So it's like, wow, you know, that's, that's, that was beyond my wildest dreams. I never thought that that would happen to me or that I'd be willing even to do that. Uh, but yes, I've tried all these limits to my drinking, my eating, uh, changing programs, going to another one. And uh, gee, my three minutes, don't say three minutes, but that's all right. And I'm so grateful to be here. Thank you, and I'll pass. Thank you, Deanna. Suji. followed by Terry H. Suji, star one. Um, yeah, I'm here. I was just waiting for you to finish. <laughs> um, I did not know I had a disease. That was my problem. I didn't know about the allergy of the mind, the allergy of the body and the, and the obsession of the mind. All I heard was surrender, surrender, surrender. Surrender your life, your will, and your food to God. And um, it wasn't working. I could say the words, I mean, it got to a point where it was just, they were just words anyway. Um, and it was never worked the steps 10 through 12. Even after I worked, after I, we read the steps, it was never uh, explained to me how to do a 10th step. Um, so, you know, I, once I got my certain foods, I didn't know what my red foods were. I mean, I didn't know, I knew what my binge foods were, but I figured if I just did it once in a while, I'd be okay. And I was in OA, but I was years and years and years away from having a sponsor that was recovered that um, that could take me through the steps. You know, I tried to limit the amount that I ate, um, but when my husband would bring things in, that was my excuse. Uh, and it was like, you know, I, I can't. I, I've got to. I've got to have some of this. And then I'd have to go out and replace what I ate because I'd eat it all up. And uh, I lost weight to twi- two times. Uh, once through how, and once uh, working with the sponsor who uh, we worked every day. And it was like having someone to talk to and someone to listen to. And I always figured my problem, my problem wasn't the food. My problem was my family. And um, food was how I dealt with my family. And if I could just, if God would just help and, and things, I would, um, I would be able to stop eating because that's the only reason I'm eating. So, Food, of course, was my problem in the sense that that was what I, you know, how I dealt with life. Um, 
I did eat at parties. When I wasn't eating at home, I mean, it would be hard to get me away from the dip and the chips. Um, I would stand you know, at reunions. I would stand by the table that had that, and I would talk to people who was also dipping and just like I was. I always seemed to gear to those people that were eating the way I was. And um, I am so grateful for having a program to work and having a sponsor who took me through step-by-step. And um, I'm just thankful for finding this meeting. Uh, It took me a long time to make the phone call, but once I finally did, uh, I'm so grateful. And today I was able to come to the 10 o'clock because I was falling asleep through the the 7 o'clock. So thank you very much, and uh, I pass. Thank you, Suji. And we have Terry H., and after that we'll take more names. Terry H., star one. Hi, thanks. My name is Terry H., a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in North Carolina. Um, I was insane in my disease. Um, This self-deception and experimentation, I did all of that. my disease um, just kept me, you know, insane. And my self-will, my self-knowledge, my self-control, you know, led me to all these different experimentations. And once I, you know, finally got to that point of utter despair, life and death, you know, I am so grateful I chose life and um, asked my sponsor to work with me and I am so grateful my sponsor jumped in that hole with me in that dark abyss and was graciously and willing to work those 12 steps with me um you know and you know today you know working those steps and having a spiritual experience and um I'm able to just have the freedom in life and enjoy life you know um I have these tools and these principles to use in all areas of my life. Yes, I do have a disease. I have an allergy to certain binge foods, and I work the steps to um, work through the obsession of my mind. And now, you know, I have a higher power that helps me with that. I don't have to go back into the field and experiment with different ways. You know, each day I seek my higher power's vision for my life. And it's not always easy. You know, I definitely sometimes want my control back or try to use my self-knowledge to figure things out and work things out. But, you know, when I use these tools and uh, practice 10, 11, and 12 every day, you know, my higher power, you know, works through me and helps me with life. I no longer need the food or food behaviors, and I'm so grateful for that, and I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Terry H. Now we're going to take another list of people who want to share. Who would like to share? Wendy M. Charles H. Charles H. Christy B. Christy B. Sherry KB. Sherry KB. Anybody else? Okay. We'll go with Wendy M, Charles H, Christy B, and Sherry KB. Wendy M, followed by Charles Charles H. Wendy. Hi. Yes. Good morning, Wendy M. Recovered in Colorado. Sylvia, thank you for your service and everybody on the line. I love this chapter because it describes us. So well, um, and the fir- my first take when I look at um, these words, self-deception experimentation, my story is how do I get that in my mouth? How do I get it in my mouth and still be abstinent or still be on the diet? How do I do that? I must- and, and what I heard at the birthday party is not only how do I get it in my mouth, but I must get that in my mouth. I must get the food in my mouth. I do not have a choice here. I must get it in. So the only way for me to do that all these years 
is through deception, through lying. Um, I, 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 I tried to explain things away. For example, I'd have health bars um, that had absolutely sugar in them, but I'd say it's a health bar, so we're good to go. Or I, my favorite, I have a couple favorite lies. One is it's a salad, so anything in that bowl is is fair game. It's fine, um, whether it's on my um, abstinence list or not. Um, I also have a little bit of the whiskey in the milk story. Um, I would put ice cream in my coffee and call it cream. Um, this is all while I was abstinent. <laughs> it's funny, isn't it? Um, but I think my all-time favorite is there was this drink called No Sugar Added. It's an ice-blended coffee drink. Um, I would go all over town in Los Angeles to get it. I mean, absolutely, again, had to have that in my mouth. Um, and it, it said no sugar added, so I just decided it said no sugar. Um, and every time I had it, I would get a high. I would get a buzz and still considered myself abstinent. Um, when I was young, this is a favorite too, um, instead of looking at myself in the mirror full length, I would only look from the neck up. I'm sure that's not unlike most people on the line right now. So I'd only look in the mirror from the neck up, and I would squeeze my neck in a way that would look like I'm really skinny. Um, because I'm nuts. I'm nuts. And those are just a few ways that I tried to um, get something in my mouth and um, explain it away. So basically made things up, you know, and I made up my own rules, not just about food, but about how I behaved with other people as well. Um, and I had to believe my lie. And you know what? I didn't even know I was lying. I was, you know, what is that? We don't know what we don't know. Um, and again, like I said, it's not just about the food. It was about making up rules with people as well. It was all a deception, food and behavior. Um, and today, I'm still nuts, but I know that I'm nuts. That's, that's the improvement here, um, that I can make a phone call at 10 step and say, hi, I'm nuts. Thank you, God, I can name that and then give it to God. You know. And then the minute I got entirely abstinent 11 months ago, everything just changed. It's a new world. It's it's, I don't have to make stuff up anymore because I'm entirely abstinent. I don't have to make things up anymore. So for that, I'm grateful, and thank you very much for allowing me to be on the line I passed. Thank you, Wendy M. Charles H., followed by Christy B. Charles? Good morning. Charles H., a recovered compulsive overeater. I want to drill down on this line. Heaven knows we have tried hard enough and long enough to drink like other people. Um you know, I could I love visuals too, and um, you know, looking at a looking at a, a, a fish a fisherman fishing, and um, being one of those fishes in the ocean, um, I I didn't want to get I don't want to get hooked on on that line, and and I was on the line so many times I could identify with being on the line, and not getting it, not not being hooked, not convinced. Right. Um, you know, we, we hear some people on the line that 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 sounds ecstatic and they're grateful for their life because heaven knows they have tried long enough to drink like other people. You know, football numbers, 40 years, 18 years, 17 years. You know, if you if you've been around for a couple of years, you right where you need to be because nobody got here on a winning streak. Um, and even if you're winning one day at a time, to continue to win, you've got to remember where you've been. Heaven knows. God knows I've tried long enough. You know, out of my own power and at the end of the last house on the block, I don't want to be on this line every day, some days. But I know I tried long enough by myself. And we already know about the control thing. There is no, I have no control, Right? No control. So this was the last stop on the train, last house on the block. It, it was either this or that, you know, more of doing it my, my way. My way nearly killed me. You know, I didn't have to get to 70 pounds or 700 pounds, but just that self-awareness like, yo, you're going to go if you keep doing it the way. Because heaven knows you tried hard enough. Everybody in the world knows you tried hard enough. You know, so... This this is the easiest, softer way. You ain't got to fight no more. 
you know, be let that fisherman fish you. And guess what? You know what I say to my sponsees? If you want to binge, go ahead because you're going to do it anyway. That's that's my experience. Nobody, I don't care if Bill W. Back, come back from the dead and he's sponsoring me. I'm going to take that drink because I want to take it. So, you know, when I get out of myself and I'm at the end of the rope, I tie a knot and I stay abstinent uncomfortably until I can get this spiritual awakening and be desperate enough to give it to somebody else because I need to do that. Heaven knows I've tried long enough on my own. Thanks. Thank you, Charles H. Christy B., followed by Sherry KB. Okay. Hi, my name is Christy. I'm a recovering uh, compulsive reader. And uh, I am uh, grateful to be on the line this morning. And here are some people's shares. And uh, I can relate to some of the shares. And um, uh, personally, I'm tired of the yo yo. And I have um, I've given up a lot of things lately, most recently coffee, and I was drinking all these flavored coffees with uh, supposedly just nothing but natural flavorings in them. Ha, ha, ha. So anyways, um, and then adding cream to them and half and half, you know, and I just, I just, I just don't do it anymore, so just for today, for this moment, and I appreciate that, and uh, I pray to God that uh, in this physical lifetime that I um, make it through the 12 steps, and that's all I have to share. Thanks. Bye. Thank you, Christy. Sherry KB? Good morning, Sylvia. Good morning, everybody. This is great. I love hearing the shares today. Um, there are so many things I've tried and the self-deceptions I've had with myself. Um, example one was I, I could eat anything I wanted to up till 12 o'clock in the daytime, and then I wouldn't eat for the rest of the day. I tried that one. Um, if I ate something I didn't like, it didn't count. The calories did not count. Um, I could go on and on and on about some of the self-deceptive things I've done to myself and experimentations I've done. You know, I've done the the weighing and measuring. I've tried the um, eating certain things only on certain days, you know, binging on the weekends, dieting during the week, um, you know, shots in my um, hip to get B12. You know, I've, I've just done everything. And um, I'll never forget long ago when um, – I quit smoking cigarettes. That's when I didn't. That's when my disease really started taking off, and uh, I was told that I had more weight in my head than I did in my entire body, and that was in 1988. And what I want to say though is that, for me, that when I would get abstinent and and I was white knuckling it, when I look back now, it was because I was running the fairy show. I wasn't surrendering. I wasn't leaning on my higher power. I wasn't working the steps. I wasn't in this book. And when I have neutrality around the food, it's because I am living and working the steps. That's the difference. That's what I finally found out for me. Um, And even when I am in the steps, I have days that I can still not have neutrality around the food. I still have those food thoughts, but I know what to do with them. That's the difference today is I know what to do with them. I know how how to take care of myself by asking God for help by doing steps 10, 11, and 12. That is what is amazing to me is that. And then the other side of it is that, you know, I had actually gotten under goal weight, and I thought I had arrived, but the pink cloud didn't last as long. You know how when we first eat the food and, you know, it feels good for about two seconds? Well, you know what? When I lost all my weight, I felt good for about two seconds, and what I didn't realize is that I was not taking care of the mental obsession. I was only taking care of the physical allergy of the body. And I wasn't leaning on a higher power, and I wasn't in this book, and I wasn't working the steps, and I wasn't living the steps. That's why I, you know, I, the mental obsession was still there. I had taken care of one element of my twofold illness, and that was the difference. And with a higher power, it makes all the difference in the world in this book and living the steps and working the steps. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Sherry KB. I have time for two more shares. 
Who would like to take those? Rocky I. Rocky I. One more. Sue M. Sue M. Okay. Let's try that. Rocky I. Hello. Good morning. This is Rocky Recover in Tempe, Arizona. And every day I say I love this paragraph. Every paragraph is awesome. So much to say. And I like especially uh, where uh, they talk about all the ways we've tried. And um, I picture myself as the, the cat in the hat where he's juggling the fish and the umbrella and standing in one ball and all these things, you know, trying to balance them. And uh, I love it because I I have tried, uh, you know, diets, no diets, pills, no pills, running, no running, uh, laxatives, uh, lap band, uh, in, out, in the morning, in the afternoon, uh, with a spoon, with a fork, uh, shakes, uh, solids, you know, you name it. And so it just... Uh, brings a green to my face. Uh, I didn't think I was um, insane, but you can easily diagnose me and uh, diagnose me. And so I'm just so thankful that today I'm not juggling any of that. It's just plain uh, food. Um, I follow my, my food plan. Um, I weigh and measure. Uh, and it's actually freedom. A lot of people might think, oh, it's a lot of work. No, a lot of work is juggling 20,000 things at the same time. You know, diet, not diet, in, out, in the morning, in the afternoon, fork, no fork, uh, liquids, uh, solids. Oh, my God, exercise, no exercise. It's just crazy. And so I'm thankful that today I I don't. I'm really, uh, all those bubbles have uh, uh, perched. And um, I'm, I can sit still. I can actually sit still and let God love me and, and sit still. And um, uh, he lets me know that he is God and that he takes care of everything. And so with that, I'll pass. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Rocky I. Sue M. Hi. Hi. I can hear you, but you're uh, breaking up. Let's see if you can get a little bit better. How about now? Is it it's okay? much better. Thank you. Oh, yes. Okay. Hi, everyone. Sue M. here in Massachusetts, recovering compulsory reader. My first time sharing, so I'm nervous, but okay, here we go. Um, thank you all for, for this meeting and for being here and for the shares. And, and you all give me, I've been on the line for maybe about eight or nine months, and you all give me so much inspiration. and and keep me going every day and um, something somebody shared about this being the last stop um, on the train, the last house on the block and um, and that we're, we're going to die and, and when they shared that I was thinking about, um, I, was, I was maybe about 70 pounds overweight when I came in um, and um, you know so Physically, you know, I'm not so sure that I, I felt like I was going to die, but can I tell you that I was mentally and emotionally and spiritually already dead. I I was, I got up every day and put my roller skates on and, um, and God, I could cry just thinking about it. And, um, and that's how I lived life. I had a, what appeared to be a full life. I had, I work in a, in a, um, industry where I'm surrounded by people. I had a lot of friends. I have family that live all around me and I felt empty and alone and dead. And um, and when I came in, I came in three years ago, but um, just to regular OA and it's been the past seven or eight or nine months that I've been um, doing a vision. And, and this, doing, doing, being in a vision for you showed me how to work the steps and do the turnaround, and that's what I was missing before I did the steps. But I, I didn't, I didn't do the turnaround. I didn't know how to look at my part in the whole thing. And so, I don't know about any of you, but if I'm not prompted to look at me, heck, no, I am not going to look at me. I don't want to look at me. I'd rather look at you and all your stuff. Um, so, um, that is when I really started. Um, it started to come together for me, and, and I really started getting into recovery and um, and and 
being able to see all of my stuff and and, and my wrongdoings and my validation issues and my um, um, just just so many so many things have been revealed to me and and, and I'm I'm just a baby in in this whole pro- pro- process. I know there's I have so far to go and I do none of it perfectly, but I'm so grateful to to be a part of this and to be to, to know there's a solution and and you know what if anybody is new out there or struggling like I my whole entire life I I was I could not get thin I could not I could not put the food down I'm not one of those that was able to diet and be thin for for two minutes and then got heavy again no I was just always heavy until till recently so um it it this 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 process works and um it may not be easy but it works and I'm really grateful so thank you all and I will pass thank you um Thank you to everyone who shared. Thank you to Team 2C. We had Beatrice C, Sherry KB, Karen T, John K. And stick around for Janice M, who will be the newcomer greeter and, um, and uh, a call for sponsors once the meeting is closed. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will John K please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. <clears throat> Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. <laughs>